Hi, everyone, and welcome to Where Faith Grows. I'm your host, Laura Lambert. Every episode, I sit down with a friend, some old and some new, and we explore areas of our lives where we can let faith thrive and flourish. I'm so happy you're joining me here today. Let's find out together where faith can grow. Welcome to Where Faith Grows, everyone. Thanks for joining me again today. We just keep getting better and better. What a joy it has been to share women's stories of love, loss, hope, and triumph with each and every one of you. Today is a special episode because it's actually a two-part episode, which was not at all the original intent, but with today's guest, we had so much to say, and I just knew it wouldn't be fair to all of you to cut any of it out. Today's guest is Sydney Lau. Originally from South Carolina, Sydney is a worship leader slash songwriter who moved to Nashville, Tennessee after marrying her husband, Ryan, in 2018. She and her husband met in college while both studying music. Sydney taught music in schools for several years before deciding to pursue her own original music, which will be releasing in 2020. She often travels to different churches in the area to lead worship and attends the Belonging Co. as her church home. She's extremely passionate about her relationship with God and works to make the Holy Spirit an active part of her everyday life in the big moments and the small. Today's show is all about following God's calling for your life and pursuing the things God has made you passionate about. Sydney's journey of living out her passions is beautiful. And in the first part of this two-part series, we're going to talk all about God's calling for Sydney's life and how she began to pursue it with a passion. So without further ado, let's jump right into my conversation with Sydney. Okay, I'm here with Sydney. Okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell the listeners about yourself to get started. Okay. Um, So my name is Sydney and um, I live in Nashville right now. Um, I got married a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit over a year and a half. Um, It'll be two years in July. And um, yeah, so I live here in Nashville and I am a private music lessons teacher and also do music on the side. Which is like the coolest thing ever. I'm trying to make it. You're like that way. The quintessential cool Nashville girl. Oh my word. Who does music. Well, thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. And you have new music coming soon. Yes. Which you should tell everybody about. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So this is like the first time in my life that I've really made a commitment to just work on music as like a part of my job. Which is scary, probably. Absolutely (laughs) terrifying. Um, So normally it's just like a hobby for me. That's kind of how it's been. And I just decided that I wanted it to be more than that. So I took kind of a career shift and have made that a priority. And so I've been working on that for almost a year now. And I'm just now starting to like see some of the fruit of it. And so I'm going to be 
releasing music soon for the first time in my life. Which it'll be coming out. Do you have like a day when it is coming out yet? Or I don't have a specific day, but I know it's going to be within the next like month or two. So awesome. very, very soon. So by the time this episode comes out, it will probably be out. Quite possibly. And we'll link it for everybody. Yay! For all the people. So exciting. <laughs> well, we'll talk about your career shift more because obviously that's like a major part of your life yes, recently. It's but very big. we'll start lighter for you. Okay, great. So tell us about your family. Okay, um, so I grew up with um, my both my parents and my one sister. So we were all together my whole childhood, which is really a blessing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we grew up in a place called Pickens, South Carolina, and my parents still live <laughs> that there. That sounds precious. <laughs> it's yeah, it Pickens. Yeah, it's very precious. It's very small. Uh, my parents still live there. And my sister lives in Anderson, South Carolina, which is like— I actually know where this is. Stop. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, because— How? Okay, I have an obsession obsession with Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, Which yeah. is not super close, but right. close-ish. Yeah. And I am like a Google Maps freak— uh-huh. And so I like to zoom in and like look around at everything that's like around different areas. And you found it. <laughs> I found what? You randomly found Anderson. Yeah, well, on Google yes. Maps. Because this is what I like to do. I'm kind of like a researcher and sure. I also like maps mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> and so I like to zoom in on a place and like look at everything that's around it and like see what's going on. And then I zoom into the satellite view and I look and see like, oh, they've got like a shopping mall there. And then I like think about, oh man, what are these people's lives like? And so then I go to realtor.com and I look at houses for sale in that area. And then I kind of like get into it that way. And I got to a point where I was looking at like real estate in Anderson, South Carolina. <laughs> that is the most random chain of events I've ever heard. I can't even believe that that happened. Yes. That's <laughs> insane. I do this, like, a lot. It's so fascinating to me. But I, I mean, I love that (laughs) because you probably know so much about some really random places. Yeah, like, if you get me on, like, Google Street View, I'll be there for, like, two hours. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Have you ever played the game that's Google Maps Street View? No. I didn't know there was a game. (laughs) Okay, I can't remember what it's called. At some point, I'll probably remember, and I'll bring it up, like, in the middle of our conversation, but... So the game is basically like it drops you at a random location in the world on Google Maps Street View. And Mm -hmm. using only like driving around in Street View, you have to try and drop a pin on a global, on a globe Mm -hmm. where you think you are. So I would be terrible at that. After this, like we should play it. Like it is, (laughs) it's not gonna be cute on my side. It is so fun. Like one time I got dropped in like the Australian, is it? A desert, right? Australia uh, has deserts. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or is it called, like, the Sahara? Uh, that seems wrong. I don't know. Someone's definitely going to, like, <laughs> judge me So you're for somewhere this. in Australia. I was somewhere sure in, like, the outback. Yes, that's what we're that trying to say. That sounds right. I was somewhere, like, in the outback of Australia. There was nothing for, like, miles and miles and miles. I probably, like, clicked around for forever. And I was within, like, 100 miles when I clicked on the globe. Like, I kind of, like, narrowed it down. You kind of did it. Well, and it's so fun because you use, like, geographical landmarks. You use, like, what kind of trees are growing there. Sometimes you, like, see signs and you can determine, like, what the language is. Mm-mm. It's see, like a I would be so bad at that. You would honestly I'm... be so offended by how far off I would be. <laughs> so like, I would probably get dropped in a really obvious place and no. say something that makes no sense. It's called GeoGuessr. GeoGuessr. Oh, my gosh. 
Maybe I should do it to practice. Maybe I'll start learning more about the world. Yeah, it's fun. Um, It's easy if you get dropped in the U.S. because usually it's like you're on an interstate and it'll be like 30 miles to Chicago and you're like, okay. Right, okay, that makes sense. It's harder if you're like in Europe or something. Yeah. And then you have to like figure it out. Yeah, no thanks. Or like the Middle East or Asia, like those are the worst. Yeah, that would, I would be really bad at that. (laughs) But all of that to say. Yeah, (laughs) circling back around. My sister lives in Anderson (laughs) with her husband and my adorable nephew named Jack Foster. Jack is adorable. I can attest to this. I've seen photos. He's truly, like he and Henry are (laughs) both Henry is my son. I think I've talked about him before. Yes, Henry is Laura's son and he is absolutely adorable and so is Jack. I wish that they lived in the same place so they could be best friends. But anyways. I feel like they would be best friends. I think that they would. They're close. And, like, Henry's younger than Jack, but when they reached a certain age, it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, they, when, when they're old enough to, like, know what friendship is. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but, so, yeah, I, I grew up with just my one sister. She's older than me. And my parents. And pretty much my entire extended family. Um, not pretty much. Literally, my entire extended family is in South Carolina. So I'm, like, the only person um, who has moved. Which, oh, wow, I don't think I realized that. I'm the only one. So Um, was that hard, or was that, like— Yes, absolutely was hard. Because, well, number one, I was not used to the idea of, like, oh, you can live somewhere else, like— you don't necessarily have to be in South Carolina. Right, like this is an option. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even ever see it as an option because no one in my family had ever done that. And I didn't necessarily actively want to leave. Right, but I my know this life. Yeah, but my circumstances just took me from South Carolina, basically. Yeah. Um, Which was that your your marriage? Like, is that yes. what moved you guys? Okay, mm-hmm. that's 100%. kind of what I thought. Yeah. Which that's, well, that's sort of what happened to us, too. Because mm-hmm. I... My family's the same. It's like, we're all here. Yeah. Everybody's here. Yeah. And it's not like, no one's like mad at you if you leave, but it's just like, everybody understands that the ideal would be that we're all close with each other. Absolutely. (laughs) It is made very well known to me that (laughs) what I've done is not ideal. (laughs) Yes. So I'm asked very frequently, so when will you be back? And you're like, I don't know. I'm kind of trying to do music. 100%. Yeah. It's like. It would not happen there. Yeah, it'd be a lot harder. That's for sure. Most definitely. So. That's why we have FaceTime. And that is a real thing. Like planes. My (laughs) nephew, Jack, genuinely, I'm worried that he thinks that the phone, I think that he thinks I'm a phone. (laughs) Because any time that someone in my family is on the phone around him, he'll start pointing at the phone and say, Sydney, Sydney. Because when I call my sister, she'll be like, Jack. Do you want to talk to Sydney? It's Sydney. And like point at the phone and then give it to him and he'll start talking to me. But so now even my parents, when he's with them, he'll like point at the phone and say, Sydney, Sydney. And so I'm like, okay, we have to make sure we're FaceTiming enough that he yeah. sees my face. And that he doesn't just like associate you with a phone. With a phone. Because <laughs> that's not ideal. That's not what I want out of this relationship. So anyways. What happens when you see him in person? Does He, he like- totally knows who I am. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. See, I feel like... Kids, especially growing up now, it's like they have a much better understanding of like FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's like it's not as confusing to them because it's just that's all they've known. Right. Which is kind of cool. Well, like Lindsay, my sister, will put um, 
filters on Jack, like on Instagram, she'll do these Instagram stories and she'll play around with the silly filters yeah. or whatever. I did that with Henry. He's like seven months old. <laughs> yes. But he'll see it. And she posted one one time that put like a crown on his head. And the poor thing in the video is like, he's got this confused look <laughs> on his face and he's like patting his head, like seeing the crown, but not <laughs> feeling the crown. He's confused. And I'm like, is this okay? Is this like <laughs> messing with his perception? Right. Are we gonna find out in fifteen years that this is like psychological right. torture? <laughs> All right. I'm like feeling bad for him because he doesn't know what's going on. But poor anyways, guy. Poor guy. How do you explain to a one and a half year old the concept of filters? Yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't work. But anyways, poor guy. Well, he'll he'll get it though. One day yeah. he'll look back. I think it's funny for sure. So you said that you moved to Nashville because you got married. Yes. Do you, is there any more to that story? Do you want to elaborate on that? Or is that pretty much it? Well, basically, <laughs> so my husband, Ryan, and I met in college my freshman year. So I was 18. And um, I literally can remember the first time I saw Ryan and you rocked my world. Really? Like, I know people say that. But Were you like, I'm going to marry this guy? I saw him. I was at my freshman orientation, and he was, like, a leader, okay? Oh, And so wow. he's directing traffic, and he was wearing this yellow polo that said Anderson University, and he had his sunglasses on. And I just remember being like, Anderson's a whole new world. Like, <laughs> there are all these new people. There's new opportunities. But literally, <laughs> I was thinking, like— Ryan Lau is a new opportunity for me. Like, that I is saw, my new opportunity. He is my new opportunity. So quite literally, I was smitten from the first moment that I saw him. Um, and it ended up working out. That is but hilarious. I say that to say he has wanted to move to Nashville since the first day I met him. So like, you like knew this. I knew this going into it. Yeah. But I just, I don't think that I realized going into it. Number one, I didn't realize how crazy about him I was going to be and how serious it was going right. to be. It's one you, of those things like, know. we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But yes, I mean, but of course the bridge came and then it's yeah. like, what do you do, right? So I was just not ready for that kind of thing and it stressed me out. I didn't want to leave my family, whatever. So he ended up moving to Nashville and we actually broke up for like a solid year and a half. Wow. Which is a whole different story. But in the end, we absolutely just could not, we couldn't be away from each other. It was too awful. Um, and so we ended up getting back together, which was really fun because we had a lot of people who, for some strange reason, were, like, really invested in our relationship, like, outside <laughs> people. And so we didn't tell anybody that we were right. back together. And it just, we just dated on the DL for a hot minute. And then next thing you knew, we were engaged. And, and then you and had And everyone was like, what? <laughs> um, that is hilarious. So they didn't even know you were back together when you got no. engaged. Only our, like, immediate family knew and, like, my very closest friends. But that's you guys it. were like Monica and Chandler. Yeah, it was a super low-key thing. Because <laughs> we just didn't want everyone's opinions right. or whatever. Especially, so. yeah, that's a whole nother stigma of, like, the world. It's like you broke up and then you got back together. It's like, I can't well, tell you how many people told me, like— Sydney, if you broke up with him, there's a reason, and that reason's not going away. Right. Um, and that's actually just not true. Right. Because— or, yeah, it definitely wasn't for your case. No, it wasn't the case for— it. Obviously, it's different for everyone, but, like, for us, we just needed that time apart to be able to figure ourselves out. Yeah. Um, well, especially because you met him when you were 18. Yeah. You didn't know what you wanted in life. I didn't know what I wanted. I was so confused. I was overwhelmed by the idea of making a huge decision like— moving to a different state. You yeah. know what I mean? Especially and with your family background. That's like a lot. 
Oh, it's huge because in my family, that's just not a thing. It's not like a, you're not allowed to do this, but it just was not ever something that was even considered as a thing. And I just, it was too much. It was very overwhelming for me to think about. So yeah, we ended it, but long story short, I just could not stay away from Ryan Lau. So (laughs) um, I figured, well, I guess I can make Nashville work because (laughs) he just, he can't do what he needs to do anywhere else. He has to be here. So I figure I'll make it work, but it has turned out to work out for me as well. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Really interesting. If you know me at all, You know I love Disney World. And if I could go to Disney multiple times a year, I would. There's something magical about Disney and something about the stories they tell always inspires me. That's why I love Shop Disney. Even when I can't escape to the parks, I love Disney products. They have clothing, toys, accessories, and more for babies to adults. I've bought pajamas for Henry, stuffed animals, outfits to wear when I do get to go to the parks, wallets and bags and just everything. One of my favorite things to shop for with Shop Disney are their collaborative collections because they have handbags and wallets in collaboration with Kate Spade, Beer Bradley, Dooney and Burke, and the list goes on. I love that I can get adult style mixed with the whimsy of Disney. And right now, you can get free shipping on their new Kate Spade collection by using the link in the show notes. So go find something you love today at Shop Disney. So you taught high school. I've done high school and middle school. Okay, I didn't know you did middle school too. I knew you were like in a traditional school setting before what you do now, which is teaching private music lessons. Correct. But tell me about teaching high school and middle school, because that was when you moved to Nashville. That's what Mm -hmm. you did first. Yes, and I had actually done it for a year before I moved to Nashville. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so my first year was in a public school teaching middle school general music and choir. Ooh, choir. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. So that was my first job. And then when I moved here, I got a job at a private Christian school as— a worship leader slash Bible teacher. That was oh, wow. like my job at the school. But that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, it was interesting for sure. Um, they both offered very different challenges for sure. But <laughs> yeah. the private school, I actually did middle and high school together. So I taught both right. age levels. Which happens a lot in private Christian schools because they're just smaller. Oh, so much smaller. Like I knew every single kid's name in that school. Which that's so cool. It was really cool. Like I, I developed some relationships and I— adore so many of those students that I taught at that school because we we got very close and especially with the girls I mean a big part of what I did there was just like hang out with them and talk to them about what's going on yeah like like, being a mentor basically yeah which I had never really done before um so it was it was a learning experience but it was so cool just to like Mm -hmm. be someone who could help them because you don't realize how much people don't talk about what's going on right until you ask them hey like what's going on with you these days like and i'm interested like, and then they're like wow no one's ever asked me like genuinely how i am other than just like hey how are you and like you're I'm not good. just looking for fine <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's like actually asking wanting to know like hey are you actually good 
And did you guys have time, like, in your schedule for that, or did they just come to you, like, after school? So I actually had office hours at this oh, job wow. because I wasn't, like, a normal teacher who had classes all day. I had right. different responsibilities and stuff. Um, so it was, like, the first half of the day I had office hours, and then the second half of the day I taught. So That's during cool. those office hours, I would pull girls out of class and just talk to them. And that like, is so cool. Sometimes it was random, and it was just like, oh, I haven't talked to her yet. Let's chat, you know, and I'll pull her out of class. Or I had a few regular girls that we had connected, and, like, they were dealing with some really specific things. And so we would, like, I would meet with them on a regular basis and just kind of, like, huh. chat and do that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Is, I've, I don't think I've ever heard of a school doing that, but I feel like more schools— they should, should do that. That's that is one thing that that school really did right, in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm gonna be honest. When I first started, and they told me, "Hey, we want you to meet with." They split up the high school, the entire high school and middle school between the four campus pastors, which is what my um, my technical job title was was a campus pastor, which is weird to think about. You were like, "I'm a pastor. It's fine." They were trying <laughs> to call me Pastor Sydney. <laughs> And I literally told them, don't call me that. That doesn't feel Please right. Please don't call me that. I don't want to be called that. So anyways. That feels so official. You're like, I was too official I don't think for you me. understand. I just graduated from college. I was like, like, I need you to know that I have a degree in music education. <laughs> That's what I do. I'm not a pastor. I've not been ordained. I'm not <laughs> right. like, you know. Um, but anyways, so at first I kind of questioned it. And I was like, this is weird to me to like force conversation on these girls. But then I found there were several instances that just in me pulling them out of class and intentionally having a conversation with them, like immediately, they were just pouring out things to me that were extremely serious and extremely like difficult. Wow. And they would say things to me like, I'm so thankful for you and that you're like here for me. Um, I don't feel like I have anyone else that I can talk to. And it was just as simple as me asking. Yeah, and all you had to do is basically be a listening ear for them. That's all they need. I, I found myself honestly talking very little in those situations. Oh, yeah. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. And, like, what a good break from what is normally a very stressful time, especially for girls. Oh, yes. It's like you're pulling them right out of something very stressful and giving them, like, a breath of breath breath of fresh air. <laughs> yes. A breath of fresh air. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, exactly. So, but that was, that was a great thing about it. However, teaching in general in the classroom, it's just not for me. Yeah. It's a very stressful job. I have so much respect for everyone who continues to be a teacher. You know. Right. Yes. You've been, been there. there. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like if we're operating in what we're called to, I feel like when you've been working for a whole day, you should be exhausted in the sense that you've put forth a lot of effort into something. Right, that you gave it your all. But I don't feel like you should feel drained emotionally, physically, yes. spiritually, mentally, like all of the things just feeling like that yeah. life has just been sucked from you. I think that that mm -hmm. is like a telltale sign that you're not walking in your calling. You know what I mean? That is such a good way to put it because I don't think I've ever been able to articulate that that well. But like— it's not that I didn't love teaching when I taught. It's just when I got home, I, like, wasn't even being a good wife. I would just, like, mm. come home and want to sleep. Same. And and I would talk to other teachers, and they would be stressed in the sense that they had a lot going on, but that was not their experience. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I don't. I just don't think I'm built for this. Like, this just That's isn't, it. like, I don't hit my groove here. I just, mm -hmm. like— 
Yeah, I, I'm trying to say it how you, you're saying it. You're saying it so well, but no. it's basically just like you're having to churn all of your gears just to like get through your day. Just to get through it. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because it's taken me a long time to figure that out because I I kind of believed, I remember my first year of teaching, about a month in, I called my mom. My mom and I talk on the phone literally all the time. <laughs> I do that with my mom I too. Call her, and she's my neighbor. So. I, yeah, so <laughs> I call her way too much probably, but I think she loves it. I hope she loves it. Anyway, I'm sure she loves it. <laughs> so I remember calling her a month in, and I was like, because she's a teacher as well. Oh, didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. My mom was also a teacher. Okay, great. So I feel like this is a lot of reason why people like us get into teaching, is we're like, because it's we a saw family thing. Parents do it. Yeah. Yeah. And my sister was also a teacher for a while. So was my sister. <laughs> okay. See, yeah, it's definitely a thing. Yeah. So I called her, and I was like, um, I'm just wondering if this is just what life is from now on. <laughs> I had this conversation too. At and one I, point. I was so serious and we kind of laughed, but like I was crying inside of just like, mom, I cannot accept that my life is getting up this early to go to this job, to be so tired that yes. truly just my drive home, which was about 25 minutes, it was, it was too much for me. I was just like, I can't even, yeah. I can't get myself home. And then once I got home, I would just seriously, I would find the energy to make a cup of coffee. And then I would lay in my bed and watch Friends. Yes. <laughs> and that was my day. Like, that, I was done. Like, right. yeah. clock out. <laughs> Don't, I would shut my room. Shout out to my poor, sweet roommates at the time. I adore <laughs> them. We are still such good friends. But I would shut my door and lock it because I was just, like, socially spent. Yeah. I had nothing. I had nothing left to give. And it's like... I literally just forgot exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> what was I about to say? I even just thinking about that time. No. But it was literally like, yeah, it's like you're totally spent. You're totally drained. And then I, after like a year of teaching, I was sitting there like counting down to the next break or yeah, counting down until like summer. And then I would sit there. I would literally go home. I would sit there with whatever, like my cup of tea in my bed. And I'd be like, okay, so if I did this for 10 more years— and that would just, like, give me anxiety just yep. to think about that. Mm -hmm. And I, that's what I knew. I was like, this is just not me. <laughs> well, and so when I had that conversation with my mom, at that point in time in my life, I genuinely believed, yes, this is just what life is now. Like, yeah. work is hard. Work is not supposed to be fun. It is a job. It is how you make money. And that is adulthood. And that's why everyone says, like, welcome to adulthood. Right. Woohoo. And that's just sad. Well, yeah. And I, I bought into that hardcore. And honestly, being married to Ryan and also going to the church that I'm going to and being surrounded by certain people who just give me a lot of advice and just a lot of encouragement. Yeah. And just my own personal time with the Lord and with reading scripture and just like really learning more about all of these things, I'm realizing that that whole concept to me is just not biblical because yes. I I feel like God has called us to live lives. I mean, He literally says living lives, lives that are abundant. Yes. But <laughs> to me, for me personally, when I was in that time, my life did not feel abundant. And it wasn't mm. in a sense of like, I don't have things and I don't have whatever. 
Um, because actually that was a really good time for me. That was like my first full-time job where I, I was single. I had my own, you know, monthly paycheck that was like like, a real (laughs) big girl job. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was lacking at all. Um, but I was just, man, I was miserable. And so I say all of that to say, like, now that I've finally taken the step away from that job and of teaching, I truly thought that I was being selfish and that I was being lazy and that like I was yes. making a huge mistake and that it was, I just needed to get over myself. But truly as soon, actually before I even quit the job, um, the job that I'm at now fell in my lap because my husband, Ryan, he um, played with our boss Yes, um, and had just heard that he ran the school and just mentioned to him like, hey, Sydney is a music teacher and she's needing a job. She's going to be switching soon. And then I came in and then someone happened to be leaving at the time that I was coming in. So I was able to just like take her students. Right. So I came in already with a decently full schedule of students. And I just started finding like that as soon as I made the choice in my brain, I'm making a change because I am not thriving in this environment that God just started throwing stuff at me. Yes. Like, I, I got this job. I was getting hired to play at churches around just random things. And it was just like, I was so overwhelmed with how much I was being taken care of. Yes. And I have not felt the exhaustion that I felt as a teacher since I quit. Yeah. I, this, not once. The experience has been so the same for me. And like, going back to what you were saying about your old job, it's like, when you're that even just spiritually drained, it's like, I felt like my spiritual life was the worst it's ever been when I was doing that because it was like, I don't know how to say this well. This is going to sound bad, but I don't mean it bad. But like when you have nothing in your life, that's nothing in your job that's like filling your cup mm. and like in your everyday, there's not a lot that's filling your cup. I found that I was like constantly, not like berating the Lord, mm. but like in my prayer life, I'd be like, why aren't you filling my cup? Like, yeah. why is my cup not full? Why do mm-hmm. I feel like this all the time? Why am I tired all the time? Why yeah. am I like not happy? And like, he doesn't want us to live lives like that. No. <laughs> so it's like when we have things in our life that are filling our cup, it's mm-hmm. like our walk with him is easier because for sure he he's giving us opportunities to have more full cups. Well, and what I'm starting to believe, honestly, is that— the terrible feelings that we were having about where we were. I don't know why it took me such a long time to figure this out. I guess I needed to step out in faith and then see God come through, which is terrible because— That's we not should, terrible. We should never test God, but honestly, like, I, it was we more— We <laughs> It was more of a testing myself because I yeah. didn't believe that my desires were aligned with His. And so I was oh, scared yeah. that what I was wanting was selfish. Yeah. Um but when I stepped into what I actually felt and then saw it work out and actually flourish, I started to realize that those feelings that I was having, it was the Holy Spirit guiding me yeah. away from where I was because where I was was not right. And I feel like when we're not walking, if if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you are not walking in the direction that He has, of course He's going to make that clear to you. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like— uh, Ding, ding, ding. Like, I'm a believer. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. 
I'm having all of these horrible feelings about what I'm doing. That should be like red flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) Do something different, do something different. But for some reason, I just felt like it was my fault and I felt like I was lazy and that I should just get over it and just be a teacher and like, why am I complaining so much? Blah, 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 blah. Those are like so normal feelings. And I, I think that we're kind of just taught right now to just like get over it and do the job. Yeah, especially because our generation is often like talked about like we are lazy and not stick with it people anyway. So I think that makes it worse. (laughs) I actually, I experienced a situation where I was in a job and it was one of my teaching jobs and I had had a really bad experience. And to be honest, I was very close to quitting the job. The only reason that I didn't quit is because I had signed a contract and I wanted to honor that. Um, But I was feeling these exact feelings, which I truly do feel like I feel like it was a level of discernment of like, this is not going to be good. (laughs) Um, But I remember someone in charge of the school, someone that was like in admin kind of talking about literally my generation and was like in a staff meeting was like, you know, there's just a generation right now that if things don't work out for them immediately, that they want to quit and they want to run away. And like, I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but, um, you've got to actually stick with something before you can know. And was like hardcore shaming. And you're sitting exactly there like melting into feeling. your chair. I was so <laughs> melting. And I was like, how can they see right through me right now? Right. Oh my word. <laughs> and so I actually interpreted that as like God telling me to stay. Which is dangerous. It's so dangerous. And I'm so <laughs> sad. I'm not saying that I'm not glad I honored my commitment because I do think that's important. Yeah, sure. And I, I wouldn't change that. For anything, because I did commit to that, and that's important. But, like, I I do think it's a shame that I was tricked into kind of not trusting my own discernment. Right. And so I'm just learning over time to stop beating myself up and to start actually trusting that, like, I do have a gift of discernment. And that, like, it's not because I'm good at discerning things, but it's because I have someone in me who is discerning things for me. And, like, that's beautifully put. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's like— I think I I took a huge leap in my faith when I finally was, I guess, really brave enough to realize that, like, God made me how I am on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm not, like, uh, I've been saying this, my mom and I have been talking about this lately, like, I am kind of a reckless individual. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I jump into things, like, really fast. I'm always looking for the next adventure. Like, that's just how I am. Yeah. And I used to hate that about myself and there there are obvious downfalls to being like that but on the other hand like that's what makes me who I am and it's a a part of what makes me like so brave in my faith like Mm -hmm. I've made big leaps of faith that were so amazing for me when like God met me on the other side yeah and it was so cool to finally sit down and realize that while that character trait has downfalls it also is what makes me like great Mm -hmm. in my faith and so I think it's, like, a good place to be when you realize, like, yeah, he made me like that on purpose. Like, that wasn't an accident. <laughs> so, same thing with you jumping into music and, like, saying, okay, I'm I'm going to move into that direction. It's, like, he made you like that on purpose. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, I feel like we're very much taught. How do I want to word this? <laughs> I feel like we're kind of taught to, um... I don't want to say hinder our personalities, but, like, I think that there is definitely a social norm and, like, especially 
in the workplace of like just what's expected as a normal job and what we're supposed to be doing, whatever. And um, I think that it's really easy for us to try to conform ourselves into that. But like for me, my downfall, I don't know if you're an Enneagram person. I am, and I can never remember my stinking number, but I I have it written down like on my computer somewhere. (laughs) So for anyone who knows Enneagrams, I'm a type four, which is called the individualist. And it's basically like the moody, emotional, creative, dreamy, like that kind of person. I you said moody. (laughs) It's so true. I'm a very mood-driven person. Just ask Ryan. He'll tell you. He'll tell you honestly. Anyways, ask anyone who knows me. I'm very mood-driven. My emotions are just like, they run my life, and I have to really figure out how to like. You're like um, from inside out. Yes. They're all in your brain like. What? I don't even want to know what's going on. Like, if we could see a picture of it like that, I don't even want to know. But anyways, so I, I'm, like, a big dreamer. And, like, honestly, my mind is just, like, a movie 90%. Like, my life is, like, a movie in my brain. That's how I see things. Yeah. And it makes me, like, fantasize about these crazy scenarios. That yes. can All of these crazy <laughs> things. That's, like, my brain. Were you, like, that middle schooler who, like, leaned your head on the car window with, like, the rain pouring down with your headphones ah, and, like— That was my life. I'm a music video right now. <laughs> I would—oh, my— I could tell you so many things that I've imagined— um, Oh my gosh, there's actually a meme that's like <laughs> me in middle school dreaming about blah, 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 blah. And it's like a kid with headphones against the window. Oh, and you're like, that was actually That you. was so genuinely me. <laughs> like, I can't tell you how many times my parents would like look back at me in the back seat, being all moody with my headphones. And they're just like, what is she doing back there? They probably didn't want to know. They're what like, is happening? What is she you know? thinking about? Yeah. But I say all that to say, you are so right. We've been given personality traits for a reason. I think that we just have to, over time, learn how to use them appropriately. Yeah. It's like using them. It's like maximizing your potential, your God-given potential. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on that note, we're going to take a break. Yes. And we'll come back. Okay, I know there is so much more to say here on this topic with Sydney, but alas, we had to stop somewhere. (laughs) Like I said earlier, this is actually going to be a two-part series as Sydney and I dive deep into this concept of music and pursuing God's calling for our lives. You can join us back here next week as we continue this conversation and talk more about music specifically and the influence it has had on Sydney's life and calling. Today, I loved when Sydney said, I needed to step out in faith and see God come through. We should never test God, but this was a testing of myself. I didn't believe my desires were aligned with Him, but when I stepped into what I felt and saw it work out, I started to realize that those feelings I was having were actually the Holy Spirit guiding me away from where I was. I love this sentiment. I just love Sydney's honest heart when she says she didn't believe her desires could possibly be aligned with his. Haven't we all felt this way before? I know I have, because sometimes it all just seems too good to be true. And all too often, I don't trust myself to walk the path that I know God wants for me when it comes to my desires and passions. But I love that Sydney decided to trust her faith and trust the Holy Spirit working within her. And it's amazing what can happen when we truly have faith in our own faith. Like I said, this is a two-part series, so join us back here next week as we keep going with this topic. 
Trust me, there is a lot more amazingness to come from Sydney on next week's episode. Until then, we love you and we're praying for you all the time. Today's show music was created by Nick Petrov, editing done by Aaron Trimble, and show notes done by me. Thanks for listening. Thanks again for joining me, everyone. If you love Where Faith Grows, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a thumbs up. I sure am glad to have you join me in this space where we can explore faith and all the places it grows together. Have a wonderful week, friends. I'll see you next time on Where Faith Grows. Where Faith Grows.